This is Hope Alive Radio Station, shaping minds for a better future. A very good afternoon to you all and welcome to another session, another episode, another Friday afternoon on Christ around the world. And you are with me, your girl, Sibo Dube. And uh, before I get started, let me say thank you to the talk team and we had Ole as well as Neo who were holding the fort and of course before that we had the GMG show in the morning you know the early risers in Kateko and uh, we had uh, Sipo who were also with you but now it's time for uh, um, Christ around the world and I know normally during the week it's time for midday glory but as you might know if you're not if you're new, if, you, if you've been following uh, uh, Hope Alive you'll know that on Fridays, it is Christ around the world from 12 o'clock Johannesburg time to 3 p.m. On Fridays, you have Christ around the world. Well, we are enjoying ourselves here in studio. The weather is not uh, that warm, but not, neither is it that cold here in Johannesburg. Remember, this is a program for people from all over the world. Hence, the program is aptly named uh, Christ around the world. And uh, if you are a Christian, if you love Jesus and you, con- you are confessing that he's your Lord and Savior and you are outside of the beautiful continent of Africa or within the continent of Africa but not where we are here in Johannesburg, we always love to connect everybody, every corner of the world and uh, this is where Africans meet and talk about God and talk about the continent and all the things that concern us as African people. So if you are tuned in right now please don't go away if you have a special love and connection for this beautiful continent of africa and its people please stay do do stay tuned because this is your show and the time now is 20 minutes past 12 we'll be together until 3 p.m and uh, maybe let me give you a snippet of what you can look forward to today so today uh, now when we look at um the first hour, um, we will be looking at uh, the importance of having uh, value for yourself. And it's really a, a conversation that we're going to have uh, from a bl- biblical perspective and what the word says about us valuing ourselves and who we are in, in Christ and who we are in God's eyes. And then um, at uh, mid, uh, at, at one o'clock, as you might know, we always profile an artist. And today we'll be profiling uh, Kayam Tetwa, a South African artist who is going to be and we're going to have an hour of enjoyable music focusing on this young man, Kayam Tetwa. And then after that, we are going to move on and uh, we are dedicating the last hour of the show to actually looking at the life of uh, uh, Kenneth Kaunda. This will be on our Africa Watch segment. And so there you have it. Uh, please do stay tuned and enjoy the ride with us today. Don't go away. This is a program that has been packaged especially for you today. Do not touch that dial, listen in, and you surely will have it. And that's the song Onisha Iyanu by Nathaniel Bessie. Beautiful, beautiful music there. And he's probably one of the best um, African artists from the continent that we enjoyed listening to on the station. And as mentioned to you earlier, um, we are going to be having a, a wonderful time today. And we are looking at... Um, the importance of valuing yourself, so self-value. A lot of times I think many of us suffer from um, low self-esteem or looking at ourselves and wondering or doubting our capabilities and thinking maybe we are not good enough for so many different reasons. Uh, some of them maybe because one just didn't have the doesn't have the right people around them to encourage them. You know, as to uh, encourage them in terms of uh, you know you are capable, you are able to deliver on ABC. And today I just want us to have you know a conversation from a, a biblical perspective. You know, to say, but you know. Um, what is your identity in God? Why would you think God would create you to be a lesser human being or an incapable person? So we, we start there. Identity is the important thing. Who we truly are based on what God says, not on what the world would have us think. So it's always about what God says we are. And knowing who we are in Christ, um, 
and then now uh, we we look at we'll look at things like self image self worth and and self esteem if i may just break that down to you well self image is the idea you have about your abilities your appearance and your personality so how you feel about yourself that is your self image and then your self worth this is the opinion you have about yourself and the value you place on yourself so how much you think you are worth and it's more or less like how you put a price tag to anything um so your self worth talks to what your the opinion of yourself and um you know the value you place on yourself what is your self worth how, how do you look at yourself in terms of the worth that you have and then your self esteem is is this is having confidence in your worth and abilities it's self respect your self esteem talks to your 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 confidence level so those are the three items that i thought i need to break down for you self image self worth and self esteem but then how many of us can honestly say that we struggle to see ourselves in a positive way in one way or or in 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 many different areas a lot of times people struggle um uh with their self Im- image and you know their self worth and their self esteem it's it's not just an issue that teenagers struggle with adults struggle with it as well and that um is quite something um that you know we need to work on on a daily basis as individuals um you know uh, be it you, you an a young adult or a, a grown person you always need to invest time in your self worth your self image and um uh, your self esteem you need to continually uh, work on it so why does it seem like our self image self worth and self esteem are always under attack why does the devil always use that as a way of getting to us the reason is because satan wants us to second guess ourselves and and god's designed for us He wants to confuse us, lie to us, depress us and send us down a road of self-doubt and insecurity. So he wants to put us in a corner of darkness where we feel like we're alone, we're not worth anything. And I hope as I'm speaking, one can actually pick out on examples of situations where you really find yourself questioning yourself in so many ways. Am I worth this? Uh, you know, and and you you're questioning your your identity, you are questioning your 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 yourself as as, as a child of God. And um so how does the devil go about doing this well he's got a very interesting modus operandi so he likes to bombard us with worldly ideals about how we should look think dress and act he puts a worldly standard of what should make us be um you know he raises a bar that is um uh, on a worldly level and he 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 takes away what god says about who we are what our worth is and he he starts bombarding us with the the worldly view of that and he gives us such unrealistic standards to measure ourselves against the only way to battle the lies that satan uses against us is to know the truth and what is the truth the truth is the word of god what does god say about our self image our worth and our well our esteem is something that we pers- personally need to work on ourselves but listen to this John chapter 8 verse 32 says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free so once you know the truth about what god says about you um it will set you free it actually um as i'm talking about knowing your identity and what god says about you i'm reminded of a song by sinash i know who i am and that song actually hel- helps us to know that um you you know what we are worth um as as children of god so sinash sings that song i know who i am and that song really helps um you know if you listen to the words if you are somebody that understands what god says about you you would feel encouraged the truth about self image is this you are fearfully and wonderfully made that is what the bible says you can't know who you truly are until you found out find out who god says you are in 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 this world it doesn't matter what you buy it it can be an expensive car it can be um something of value but if you don't know who you are and you don't know the truth well uh, i don't see how that's going to help you you're still going to struggle with issues of self worth self image and so many things so i mean as 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 we carry on with this conversation maybe let's take a breather and listen to actually what sinesh says in her song i know who i am
And that is Sinesh with her song, I Know Who I Am. I like the pl- the last part where she says, in your workplace. I mean, how many of you, I mean, do you declare in your workspaces, you know, that you are children of God and that, you know, you are protected by him or at least just make people aware of your beliefs? And I think um, we are not forthright as we're not forthright as Christians. We're not very vocal about our God in our different workspaces or the places that we go to. And maybe that is why sometimes we get taken for granted. But uh, that said, uh, let's move on ahead. So when we um, took the breather, we're just talking about how it doesn't matter what you own or what you have. If you don't have that internal fulfillment and self-value, you will struggle with so many things. Anything that you buy comes with an owner's manual. That owner's manual is there to teach you about the product. So we are God's product in a way. And that manual that comes with the product is the word. It's the Bible. And and God's word tells us that the creator of the product knows the ins and outs of um, what they have made and are the only ones with the authority to tell someone what the purpose of the product or the object is. You can't fully understand the product you bought if you don't read the owner's manual. And... Um, You know, Psalm chapter 139, uh, verse 14, we are told, I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this uh, very well. Other versions will say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That is Psalm 139, verse 14. You are made in the image of God himself. You know, when we see God creating man in Genesis, he says, let us make man and let us make him in our image. And, um, if you are being made in the image of God, surely do you have a reason to doubt yourself? Do you have a reason to have a low value of yourself or your self-worth to be as low as it is as we speak right now? And he knits you together in your mother's womb. His hands made us and fashioned us. The Bible teaches us all of these things and more. God thought about you and knew you before you were even born. He took his time and designed you just the way he wanted you to be. Everything from the color of your hair to the size of your foot and thought out and planned by the creator of this universe. And, you know, one one verse in the Bible actually says he even knows um the number of hairs on your head. That's how much God knows you. And that is how much he values you. So God designed each little detail about you and said, this is good. When you think no one cares about you or pays you any attention, remember how much attention God paid when he created you. God thinks we are perfect just the way we are. The world, uh, maybe let me say the, the, the enemy, the devil, wants us to think that we need to look a certain way to be beautiful or act a certain way to be noticed and accepted by others. They would have us think that we aren't worth as much if we're not talented in some way, like sports, music, dance, something that makes us stand out. This leaves us constantly, you know, it leaves us, Um, like we're always like comparing ourselves to other people and thinking, I don't have enough of these. I don't have enough of that. But God did a wonderful work creating you. You are complete the way you are. And this idea of continually looking for validation from other people based on worldly standards, I think we need to fight that. The thoughts that the enemy puts in our heads in terms of how we should look or how we should um, um, act, um, it's all lies that are actually coming from the pit of hell we should look at what the word is saying about us and this you know idea of comparing ourselves to others um actually compromises the standards that god had set on us and we start to actually perform in a mediocre way because we are leaning towards a um a definition that is, is is put out by the world and and trying to be what god has not designed us to be and are you surprised you're struggling with something that's where it's important to actually know what god's manual says about you and um do you want to know why the world wants you to see yourself this way There are so many things. You have to see yourself in a certain way because it's money. You might ask, what do I mean? There's a good business in making people believe that they should look a certain way. If, for example, um, there's a skin product that's being sold and... um, I know in some countries, um, skin lighteners have been uh, have been actually uh, banned or are prohibited. But 
if um, a company is manufacturing um, skin lightening cream, they have to make you believe that you have to look a certain complexion in order for you to fit the mold. So they will put out these adverts that will show people that of a, of a certain skin tone to be beautiful and they dress them up, they put makeup on them. And more and more as you see those adverts and billboards, you start doubting yourself and thinking my skin tone is not what um, is the way I should look because the trends are that skin should be of a certain tone. But according to our standards, it's the world standards. And that is business for them. For the skin lightening to sell, they have to send a certain message. And here you are, as a child of God, really believing that the skin color that he's given you, the skin tone that he's given you is not the right one, but rather you want to go for the one that is being broadcast or being put out there. So think about it. We think we're not pretty, so we buy the best makeup we can find to cover up our flaws. Think about the brand name. And you want to be that cover girl. That is all an ad campaign that emphasizes exactly what we're talking about, covering up what we see as flaws. And these flaws that we call flaws are actually not flaws because this is how God has created you. So God loves you the way you are. He's made you in his perfect image. And you are trying to alter and edit, you know, that image that God has given you. I hope I'm helping somebody who is somewhere sitting and doubting themselves and thinking, the way that they are is not what they should be. Well, the truth is in the word and that the words, what the word is saying is that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. God took his time creating you, knit you very well in your mother's womb. So think about it. Don't start, uh, you know, being uh, very hard on yourself. And I mean, really, you're being unfair on yourself, especially given what God has, how much God invested creating you. Um, so let's take a breather again and listen to some more music. When we come back, we'll take this discussion a little further. And that is the beautiful Zaza with the uh, rendition of Agere Pachigaro. That song, I think, has been sung by a couple of other people. But the first person that I heard singing that song could have been Take Shio Zama, if I'm not mistaken. And then I think I've seen the... Uh, is it the Pretoria Gospel Choir? I can't remember, but there is a choir that actually also has a rendition of that song. Beautiful, beautiful worship song there, a uh, praise song. Akere um, Pachikaro, meaning he is seated on the throne. Indeed, God is seated on the throne. Um, so as we move on, if you've just joined us, we are here on Christ Around the World. And uh, we are talking uh, about self-esteem, self-worth and self-image and how we as children of God should value ourselves and value what God has put in us and never doubt God's intentions for our lives. And um, that is a topic that we are laboring on today. And uh, now we are approaching the top of the hour. The time now is eight minutes to one. And we are on Hope Alive radio station where we're shaping minds for a better future. And please, if you've got something to add to this conversation, uh, please do send us a WhatsApp on our WhatsApp line, which is plus two seven six seven one five three one. Do you have something that you want to say to us about what your thoughts are with regards to self-esteem, self-worth, and self-image, which is our conversation of the day? And I hope what we've discussed so far is helping someone out there um, in terms of looking at yourself with a with a better better view and uh, as God has intended. You know, as long as the world can keep you second-guessing your appearance and the way God made you, they can keep you in bondage to this unrealistic ideal and take advantage of you, not only with your money, but they can take advantage of your heart and make you vulnerable to accepting things about yourself that just ain't true because the world is sending out certain messages about how you should look, how you should behave, what is trendy, what is not, what is nice, what is in, what is out. You will continually, continually doubt yourself. And that is why it is so important to see what the word says about you and what you are worth. You are more than more than your looks. This is what God says about appearance. In First Peter chapter 3, verse 3, he says, your beauty should not consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold ornaments or fine clothes. And then it goes on to say, instead, it should consist of what is inside the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. So you had it for yourselves from the manual itself. It says that beauty should not be de defined by our looks, you know, our hair, uh, what we wear. Beauty, according to the word, the standards of beauty, 
uh, your heart that is what counts. Does this mean we aren't supposed to do our hair, wear jewelry, or take pride in our appearance? Absolutely not, because you need to take care of this temple that God has given you. What this verse is saying is that we shouldn't try to find true beauty by worrying about our outward appearance. Being put together and looking nice is fine, but if our hearts aren't right, if we're not gentle or quiet in spirit, we don't possess true beauty. A quiet spirit means being at peace with God. If you're not at peace with God, you're in turmoil within yourself, which means you don't have a quiet spirit. God wants us to... Be content and secure with him. In him is where true beauty is found. So what is your definition of true beauty? Is this definition actually impacting the way you look at yourself? Is it impacting your self-image? Is it impacting your self-esteem? By self-esteem, as I defined earlier, your confidence levels and your worth to a point that you think you're a worthless human being. Whereas God says so many things in his word about how worthy you are, how much he values you. And one verse that I love is uh, found in the book of Psalms where, God, where David says, oh, what is man that you're so mindful of him? And that verse alone tells you how much God thinks about you, how much God loves you, how much God is continually, uh, you know, infatuated with you. He loves you so deeply. It reminds me of a song by Mercy um, the Nigerian artist, she sings uh, uh, Excess Love, yes. God is just there pouring his love excessively for you and, and you should just be mindful that that's how much God values you. And in the book of 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, the Bible says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. Man does not see what the Lord sees, for man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. Right here is this passage. God shows us that he looks at what he looks at. He does not see as man sees, but instead God sees the heart. He sees those are the important things that God is looking out for. So remember, in your self-evaluation, your self-confidence, your self-esteem, the way you appreciate yourself, your, your worth, God loves you excessively. And as you'd so have guessed, today our artist of the day is Kayam Tetwa. As we always do in this show, every day, every Friday, we actually dedicate uh, an hour of listening to music and profiling an artist from around the continent. And today we are so fortunate to be um, actually profiling the prolific young Kayam Tetwa. And um, stay tuned. Uh, he's got some beautiful, beautiful songs. And uh, you stay tuned. Uh, his, this lineup that we have for Kayam Tetwa is going to blow you away. And while we do that, we also make sure that you get to know more about the artist. Last week, we were profiling uh, Deborah Lukalu from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Today, we are in South Africa where we are profiling Kayam Tetwa. Well, let me not waste much time because I'm sure you are curious as I am to know more about him. Uh, Kayam Teto, I think he broke into the um, showbiz scene or the, the, the public scene um, when he entered Idols. Uh, if I remember well, he was an Idols um, entrant and he competed on Idols and obviously did absolutely amazing. And that's when we would hear of some of the wonderful things uh, that he did. Anyway, let's get into his profile. Kayam Tetwa, born 25 November 1987, is a South African singer, songwriter, and musician, composer, arranger, and uh, is a multi-instrumentalist. So he plays various instruments. And he is best known for winning the eighth season of TV singing competition Idols South Africa, the first black person to have done so. Making history, that is what children of God do. He's also known as a choir member of the gospel group Joyous Celebration, popular both in South Africa and across Africa. His passion for music stems from his strong upbringing and the guidance that he received from his religious parents, pastors Temba and Lulum Tetwa. Born and raised in Durban, Guazulu Natal, Kayam Tetwa grew up in a church environment. His father, 
Peggy Temba Mtetwa is a minister at the Umlazi Oasis Fellowship Center. After finishing high school, Kaya wanted to pursue a career in music, but his parents were not keen on the idea, and so he went on to study project management at the Varsity College, but remained active in a church um, as a music director of the church choir. In 2012, Kaya appeared on Dogos Mbambo's Field album. Again, as a backing vocalist in 2012, he entered Idol South Africa with the intention of trying out a different genre to enhance his music abilities. He went on to win the competition. He won with over 80% of the public votes. In 2013, he participated in another TV competition, The Clash of the Choirs, this time as part of the Guazulu Natal Choir. The group won. Kaya, was sing, Kaya can sing gospel, pop, jazz, and R&B, and he is a self-taught musician who can play a keyboard, guitar, drums, and percussion. He is also a songwriter and wrote most of the songs in his debut album, For You. Let us take a breather and listen to some more Kayam Tetsu music. And the time now is 19 past 1 here in Johannesburg at our Kempton Park Studios. We are broadcasting live from our Hope Live Radio Station studios here in Kempton Park. And please, if you've got anything to share with us, do hit us on one WhatsApp, our WhatsApp line is plus two seven six seven one five three one zero eight nine, or you can find us on Twitter on the Twitter streets. We're Hope Alive underscore Radio. Uh, the first one that we had was our God, um, and then now we have just been listening to Ongi Hola Yo. Well, as we carry on, as I said today, our artist of the day is Kayam Tetwa. Uh, for those that don't know Kayam Tetwa, he is a leading South African musician who has um, uh, been pushing boundaries since he first entered uh, the scene after winning America. <laughs> What am I saying? South African Idols, uh, the eighth edition of South African Idols. He was the winner. And since then, he's never looked back. So we are um, still profiling him. And when we we last, um, you know, talked, we were talking about uh, how he studied um, project management and how his family would have preferred that he doesn't focus a lot on music. But as you know, parents um, have their views and, and then the children decide to take what they feel is good for them. But look at him now. He's doing great. So Kam Tetra is a host of Gospel Alive, uh, a gospel TV show that premiered in 3 November. I'm saying was actually because this was back in 2013 on multi-choice at DSTV's Mzansi Magic Channel on which he worked with the content producer Debu Hora Mitzi. In 2015, he was ordained as a pastor. In 2014, he released a live DVD recording titled The Uprising. In 2016, he released The Dawn. And in 2018, he released Mkulum Sebenzi. I believe we're going to play that song for you um, uh, just uh, as soon as we take a breather. Kaya discovered his career in singing when he was in high school. Kaya Menteto first appeared as a backing vocalist singing Turner for Joya Celebration co-founder Tunzi Numbers Mercy album. He was then asked to join Joya Celebration two days prior to the live recording of Joy Celebration 15 in 2015. I mean, talk about being agile. Two days before such a big recording and you have to be on and bring your A-game on. In late 2013, he began hosting the Mzansi Magic Religious Music Talk Show, Gospel Life. On 21 May 2017, he started hosting the BET Gospel Show, Rhythm and Gospel. And on 25 June 2017, he debuted as the host of SABC One's Sunday Morning Gospel Show, Gospel Avenue. And uh, he's done Clash of the Choir South Africa Season 1, as, as, as mentioned. He's done um, Code Green Season 1. He featured as himself. He's done uh, Cooking Gospel Season 1, featured as himself. Gospel Alive Season 1. He was the host. And then uh, he entered Season 1 of I Love South Africa, and he was a contestant there. Idols Season 8, he was the winner uh, of, of that competition. And then uh, he featured on Becoming on Minute Lamini's Becoming Mrs. Jones Season 1. He featured as a musician. He's also featured on the remix essay, as well as um, he was a guest judge, actually. And then uh, he was also on Zaziwa Season 4. Um, and he's won a lot of nominations and awards. He won in 2016 Best Gospel DVD for the SCGA. And then in the 12th AMFA Awards, he was the Best Newcomer. 
he got that award on the 23rd uh, summer uh, summer awards he was nominated for the best uh, live audiovisual recording album and then in 2017 he won a summer award uh, that is the South African Music Award best contemporary faith music album and amongst his many albums there is for you that was produced in 2012 then the uprising in 2014 the dawn in 2016 and all about Jesus in 2018 and we'll hear some more about Kayam Teto after we take a breather. You are listening to Hope Alive, streaming live from Hope Restoration Ministries, Kempton Park, South Africa. And that was uh, another lineup of two beautiful songs there by Kayam Teto, Umkulum Sebenzi, and uh, this one was Settled for Less. Now, on 2 December 2017 in Pumalang, I'm Tetwa celebrated his traditional wedding with the love of his life and Miss South Africa 2016, Kayam Tetwa and his wife Ndandoyenkosi only dated for three months, but he didn't want to waste time because he knew she was the one. As much as Kaya wasn't planning on getting married, but when Dando came along, he couldn't imagine his life without her. Kaya explains his wife as a person who is an incredible human being, a person with a strong character, and who comes from a phenomenal family. Everything about her culminates into this beautiful person that I want to spend the rest of my life with, Kaya said. As a husband, my top job is to protect my wife. He just, We just want to have an amazing marriage, Kaya said. They gym together, they gym together and support Orlando Pirates. Everything is very serene, he adds. We cherry-pick each other every day. His love life had had its fair share of ups and downs, of course. He was romantically linked to actress Nomza Mombata in 2015, then to her fellow Isabel actress Jessica Nkosi. Kaya was often cited as the reason the two are no longer friendly, but he doesn't want to be drawn into all that. On 24 December 2019, Ndando and Kaya then announced their divorce on social media platforms. The reason for their split remains concealed, but Kaya did mention in one of his church sermons that the two years of his his marriage to Ndando were difficult and presented many challenges. But I think for the time that they were together, they did share good times. Like all marriages, um, there will always be challenges. But... um, I think they were also blessed with a child, but um, they were a great example at the time that they were uh, a husband and wife. But um, like life happens, uh, you you can never know what people go through. And as the body of Christ, we only pray for people. And when things uh, don't go right, we still love them. We don't judge them. We support them every step of the way. And as for Kayam Teta, we still love him. Uh, we still love his music and we still listen to his music. When we come back, we are just going to round this up with just snippets of what Kaya is getting up to. This great, talented musician is still pushing boundaries. Um, even now, as we speak, uh, being 2021, you know, with COVID-19 having hit different uh, hit artists in different ways, um, he is still able to thank God and, you know, see God's blessing in his life through some of the things that we are going to share after the musical breather. The time now is 13.46, and we are approaching the top of the hour. And as mentioned earlier, after the top of the hour, we will be having a special edition of Africa Watch where we are going to go through the life of the legend Dr. Kenneth Kavinda. And that is uh, Kayam Teto with his amazing amazing song lineup. I'm actually even receiving messages here. Somebody saying um, today's lineup is really on point. Thank you so much. We love to hear the feedback. Well, as I said, when we come back, as we conclude the show, we are just going to look at what Kaya is busy with now. So, On Age Media released a statement on Wednesday, 2 June uh, 2021, to confirm that celebrated gospel artist Kam Teto is set to make a cameo on the upcoming episode of All Mutual Amazing Voices. The popular singing competition sees groups from different uh, parts of the continent competing for the grand prize of $100,000, like U.S. dollars. Not We are not talking, uh, we are not talking uh, any other type of money, but we are talking U.S. dollars. And uh, revealing that what fans can expect from the up- upcoming episode, the statement noted, Africa's top five groups left in the old Mutual Amazing Voices have once 
one chance to impress guest mentor Kayam Tetwa, the singer-songwriter, musician, composer, arranger, and the multi-instrumentalist steps in to guide the groups as they take on the daunting task of performing his songs. Which group will move Kayam Tetwa? The top five choirs will be singing songs by Kayam Tetwa, including Southern Six, rendering This Love, the unveiled singing Simagate, if effect inter interpreting move one two one seller will sing incredible and hash essay will sing the classic ushilo wena the new episode will air on sunday 6 june 2021 on zansi magic and zansi where to at 1700 hours simultaneously wow you don't want to miss that if you want to hear how these choirs are going to represent kayam teto and as he judges them for the way that they are going to perform i'm actually looking forward to that i hope i can still catch up on that one as uh, we hear more about what this show is going to carry and it is uh, an old mutual it's called the old mutual amazing voices well that's it for today uh, concerning calm theater this closes our jambe session and when we come back after the news we are going to get into africa watch but let's close this session of the jambe session with one last song by calm theater as we celebrate this prolific I'm musician watching. And uh, for those that uh, have just joined us, the time now is uh, 11 minutes past two. We are going to be spending the entire hour paying tribute to the dearly departed uh, Kenneth Kaunda, former president of the Republic of Zambia. And those two songs that are played for you um, after the news uh, really talk about the same thing. It's the same phrase, Tiende Pamodzi. And um, this is a Nyanja word, which means together. And Tiende Pamodzi is a song that Kenneth Kaunda loved so passionately. And it's a song that a lot of Zambians will resonate with because it's more or less like their song that they sang for national unity. And um, this is a song of national unity for Zambia, not the national anthem, though. But a song sung during and after the freedom fight and recorded by Kenneth Kaunda, Tiende Pamodzi, or Let's Go Together. This was not only popular in Zambia, but in Malawi as well, where the national language is very familiar to Nyanja and other countries as well. It is cited in literature among important political songs. And uh, later on, uh, I think I'll ask our, our lady producer, Debbie, to actually play us a clip in which Kenneth Kaunda himself is actually singing this song, Tiende Pamodzi, Ndimtima, Umozi, which means let's go together in harmony or literally let's go as one with one heart. And well, as you know, and as I mentioned earlier, this hour is a special tribute to Kenneth Kawunda, who uh, unfortunately is dearly departed. We received the news yesterday and uh, I will be sharing, you know, milestones and a tribute uh, of Kenneth Kaunda. I came across a very beautiful tribute written uh, in The Guardian by uh, a, 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 a someone called Guy Arnold. And I think I'll just share this with you because I felt it really uh, summarized so beautifully what uh, Kenneth Kaunda's life was all about. The president of Zambia from 1964 to 1991, Kenneth Kaunda, who has died at the age of 97, stood out as one of the most humane and idealistic African leaders in the post-independence age. A man of great presence and charm, he played a notable role as a leader of the frontline states in the long confrontation between independent black Africa and the white dominated south of the continent which came to an end only in 1994 with the election of Nelson Mandela as president of South Africa. He was a consummate of politician and spent much of his time shuffling his top party figures around in a chess game to balance ethnic groups and their claims to power sharing. He also possessed a ruthless streak which he deployed towards opponents although his abhorrence of violence was a rarity in that era. So a lot of countries were actually going to war and there's a lot of killing, looting and fighting at that time but Kenneth Kaunda as we hear here from uh, uh, Guy Arnold's tribute and obituary he says that uh, he is somebody that stood for peace and did not want any engagement of war one of Africa's longest ruling heads of state he like so many other politicians did not know where, when to quit however when finally he was defeated at the polls he stood down with a grace actually that is something that is totally commendable because 
We have seen lately that a lot of our leaders, when it comes to, uh, you know, stepping down from office, it becomes a bit of a challenge. Some of them have to be forcibly removed from their positions of power. But we're told here that he uh, gracefully um, came down from his uh, um, his seat uh, when he was defeated at the polls. An idealist and visionary, he lacked, intele- he lacked intellectual rigor and his attempt to, at political philosophizing represented a mishmash of ideas that were only a pale imitation of the thinking of his friend and neighbor in Tanzania, President Julius Nyerere, an emotional man who often wept in public. That I can vouch. I've seen a lot of videos of Kenneth Kaunda actually crying. He was a very emotional person and was never shy to show his emotions in public. He would cry when he felt it was necessary and it was needed for him to cry. Kaunda loved to sing hymns and folk songs. I've seen so many of those videos and he was a christian inclined to mysticism his lack of flair for economics proved his his nemesis at independence in 1964 copper was booming and it provided zambians with a relatively high standard of living but when the boom came to an end in 1973 counter showed little capacity to deal with the country's new problems and zambia instead became increasingly indebted i remember the times when zambia was actually um in a deep, deep crisis, uh, um, it became so bad that a lot of them started to then leave the country. And um, they were actually an example of, uh, um, um, you know, poverty in the region of Southern Africa at the time, you know, that this obituary is referring to. It's, it was a time when Zambians really struggled. But I like the rigor and uh, the way in which uh, uh, Zambians gracefully went through that period of poverty, of trial, and um, under the leadership of this mature man, this man who had so much love for his people. He loved Zambians like they were his own children. And, you know, he was one of those leaders that you'd admire in the region because of how he stood for his country and how he had so much passion and compassion uh, for, for, for his country. But as, as, as the obituary reads here, the country did hit some hard times. And I remember there was a time actually when uh, the airline of Zambia, I can't remember which era under which presidency this was, but, you know, the country, it got so bad that they had to even um, get rid of the national airline and, and I think up to now there is no Zambia Airways as far as I remember because things really got that bad and it actually reminds me of the times that the country here in South Africa is going through I mean the challenges with the airline but I'm glad that um, you know um, there is some kind of saving grace that has come along but that's one of the indicators of a country when it's going through trials economically airlines, the national airline becomes uh, the one that is also um, um, you find that a lot of countries struggle with their national airlines and I know Ethiopian Airways also went through a similar phase but let's not derail the conversation, this is all about honouring a a great man of the continent, Kenneth Kawunda who passed away yesterday at the age of 97 maybe to take a breather we will all listen to a song uh, by Bob Marley which says Africa Unite and I like this song because it shows that you know the loss of a founding father like uh, Kenneth Kawunda is something that we can not look at and think it doesn't impact us. It has so much depth on the on the roots of this continent for us to gain independence as a continent. It is the likes of Kenneth Kawunda who didn't only impact Zambia, but you know, neighboring countries can identify with this icon: Malawi, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Mozambique. And I mean, I was looking at photos of him, uh, you know, taken during their youthful days. I saw the Julius Nyerere's of this world, uh, Samora Mashal. Robert Mugabe, Sam Nioma of, of, of Namibia, those people stood shoulder to shoulder to fight for the freedom of this continent. And I believe that it is only through unity of the continent that we are able to enjoy the freedom that we do today as a continent, as we take a listen to Bob Marley's song. And uh, that was Bob Marley with his song, Africa Unite. And as I mentioned, um, this is a song that really is a reminder for us as the African continent, as the African nation, to say that we need to be united as a continent. And with the last of the founding fathers of the continent of Africa having departed yesterday, one is actually, you know, I'm a bit shaken in the sense that, you know, what's going to happen next? Are we going to be able to... uh, 
make sure we maintain their hard work. I mean, now you have those founding fathers, fathers all having gone to rest. Those people that were sacrificial leaders, servant leaders, and uh, they're all gone now. He was the last person literally that was still left, um, you know, being there. I saw a clip on TV yesterday when he was at Nelson Mandela's funeral and how, um, I'm sure at that time he was already late into his 80s, but um, I loved the young men in him when I saw him running up the stage and you could see the effort he was pu- putting to to come up the stage and look young, to come and bid farewell to a friend so dear to him, a, a friend whom he knew they shared the common vision for the continent of Africa and he spoke so beautifully about Nelson Mandela at his funeral and I was so moved by the way um, the, the, the people that were there, you know, received him and and that comfort to say even though Madiba is gone, there's still uh, the likes of Kenneth Kaunda that we can look up to as fathers of the continent and now to look back and see that he too is gone and the founding fathers are really no more. I mean... If you check from uh, um, from 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 Cape to Cairo, uh, if I think of names of of of, of um, you know founding fathers of of Africa, you know like Julius Nyerere, um, Samora Michelle, Nelson Mandela here in South Africa, and now uh, Kenneth Kaunda in Zambia, it's it's literally all of them now um, that are, are gone. But that memory that we hold on to uh, is what we should actually ensure that we do not lose the grip of of what they taught and what. Um, they they were they were what they fought for and actually one of our listeners has just sent in a message and they are saying because i was asking what is it that we can learn from these leaders our founding fathers um what can today's politicians learn and what should they emulate and they're saying integrity is the key thing and she says here today's leaders are about self-enrichment most of them are selfish there is nothing wrong with living a comfortable life but one must work and achieve this in a way that is not detrimental to the lives of other people that they lead. It's actually stealing when one abuses country resources and act as if it's their personal possession. Wow, what a great lesson there that they are saying we should learn because I know um, these founding fathers of ours were selfless leaders, people who put their people first. And as I said, um, they actually, I mean, Kenneth Kaunda himself actually treated Zambians as though they were his own children. And um, another comment, um, I love the relevance in this show doing good sis thank you so much thank you so much for those comments it's really um, um encouraging to receive those messages from you and um yeah let's take a listen at a, at a clip where um the musical side of uh dr kenneth kaunda comes out and i mentioned earlier one of his favorite songs is the song of national unity for zambians tndi pamozi i think that is what it's called let's listen to what um he says here <laughs>
So if you doubted that the late uh, Dr. Kenneth Kaunda could sing, well, that was him. Uh, he was singing the song that I was telling you about that that is the song of national unity for Zimbabwe. Let me take that again for Zambians. Uh, that's the song of uh, um, uh, Zambian national unity. And uh, another obituary that I came across which really struck me was uh, one that was written uh, by the uh, Eyewitness News, uh, uh, online Eyewitness News uh, by Ntakwa Ngatane. And um, this is what the, the obituary says. Uh, it says here, Kenneth Kaunda played the piano, sang and danced all the way into his 90s from liberation fighter to prisoner to president to being stateless. KK, as he was affectionately known, clashed frequently with his successor Frederick, Frederick Chiluba who attempted to deport him from Zambia claiming he was a Malawian national. Kaunda was the youngest of eight children. His father, Reverend David Kaunda, was a missionary and teacher who was born in Yasaland, now Malawi, and had moved to work at a mission in Zambia. In an attempt to prevent KK from contesting in the 1996 elections, Chiluba's government amended the constitution to bar citizens born of foreign parents from President candidacy. In 1997, Kaunda was accused of orchestrating a coup, arrested and held for five months and subsequently declared stateless. When the usually clean-shaven Kaunda came out of detention with a white beard, hundreds of people had filled the streets of Lusaka waiting to welcome him. I said I was not I will not shave until I'm told why I was in prison. But I have not been told why I was in prison for five months and seven days. The MMD the movement for mass dealers, um, MMD, the movement for mass destruction. I don't know if I'm reading this wrong, but this is what it says here. Uh, the movement for mass destruction, all the m promises they made about accountability, transparency, good governance, and all these things, they have forgotten them. His Zambian citizenship was reinstated after he approached the Supreme Court in his country. KK's life after office was a stark contrast to his early life. He was only 27 when he left the teaching, teaching profession to become regional organizer of the Northern Rhodesia African National Congress. He later served as National Secretary General. In 1995, he and a party leader, Hendrik Kumbula, were jailed for two months for disturbing what the regime called subversive literature distributing what the regime called subversive literature. He said that arrest made him realize that he wanted liberation and black majority rule more than Gambula. So they drifted apart and he formed the Zambian African National Congress, which was later banned. Knowing that you might have to go to prison away from your family for how long you don't know, it depends on what was wrong according to your colonial masters. But once you make up your mind that you're determined to go ahead regardless of what happens, you say, yes, I'm going to do it. In 1996, the Kaunda was elected leader of the United Democratic Independence Party, UNIP. And when Zambians went to the polls in 1962, he stood as a candidate and became a minister in the coalition of government that followed. You know, I like the way he was so determined, the way he describes his hunger for freedom and, you know, the willingness to actually uh, face prison, uh, which is what is characteristic of many of our founding fathers in the continent. They were willing to actually be in jail. I mean, look at Nelson Mandela. He spent 27 years in jail um, just for the freedom of his people. How many sacrificial leaders do we have now? Rather, I think... Uh, we need to draw lessons from these leaders because such leaders are definitely a, a rare find, I think. It is very rare to find leaders who will be willing to sacrifice for their people at this level. And as uh, the listener who sent their message earlier said, what they're focusing on mainly lately is just to line their pockets and enrich themselves, which is really not what a leader um, should actually be focusing on because... If you're a leader, just know that being focused on yourself is, is just the end. And a lot of leaders have even sacrificed. Um, I mean, uh, I'm looking at the generation of leaders that Kenneth Kaunda was part of. A lot of them actually sacrificed their own families. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, a lot of those families found themselves um, 
not uh, uh, without without their fathers because they were out there fighting for their people. I even saw a clip a couple of days ago of uh, Samora Michelle arriving in Lusaka Airport, and uh, you know they were welcoming him there. And uh, as they were welcoming welcoming him, I saw amongst the people that were welcoming him, <laughs> welcoming Samora Michelle, I saw. Um, there was, I think there was Tabumbegi, but there was also one of Mandela's children. I mean, there was a debate on, on, on social media, whether it was Zinzi or Zenande, uh, Zenani, sorry, who was uh, there in the lineup. But what struck me is the fact that w- as a young lady, uh, Mandela's children found themselves in countries like Zambia, probably without their parents, because there I did not see Winnie Mandela, I did not see Nelson Mandela, but I saw a group of politicians. That is the life that they led. I mean, being a politician means it impacts your children as well. They were affected. And another thing that I heard him being commended for, now I'm talking about Kenneth Kaunda, as you know, messages of tribute started pouring in, another thing that he was commended for, Highly so uh, in the last 24 to 48 hours, uh, you know, ever since it was announced that he was unwell and then later, you know, we learned he had passed on. Um, they People kept mentioning the fact that when HIV AIDS came into the continent and started ravaging, uh, you know, taking away young people, killing, you know, a lot of people started to die because of the pandem- of the HIV pandemic. Um, Kenneth Kaunda was actually one of the first leaders to actually stand up and say, you know what, I have a son. He has died from the disease. And a lot of people thought that was taboo. At that time, people were not freely talking about, uh, you know, relatives or family that were suffering from, from the HIV AIDS um, virus but he as a leader stood up and that for me actually was commendable because when you stand up as a as a person that people look up to and speak so openly and vulnerably and authentically so about uh, a situation that everybody's fearful of you take away the fear you bring that uh, acceptance of, of of facing your fear uh, if if someone of that uh, of that stature can actually say look my family too uh, has been affected by this and 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 they're not shy to stand up and I think that really uh, liberated a lot of people. It probably addressed issues of stigma and uh, issues of thinking, you know what, um, this disease, am I the only one or is my family the only one that's affected? If a whole Kenneth Kaunda could stand up and say, my son has died from HIV AIDS, I, I think that was something that was really mind-blowing. And I think Madiba is also one of the leaders that also spoke openly about um, their own child uh, dying from that. So these are the caliber of leaders that we have lost. I mean, um, and we do pray, I mean, that, you know, we do find that there will be more committed leaders leaders who love who love their people the way that these uh, fallen heroes loved their own people. I'll take a breather now. Um, we'll listen to a song by Sanko Mota called Now Never. And for me, it's to challenge the African. It's to challenge everybody to say, you can't sit back and expect things to fall on your lap. You have to work for them. And every effort that you put as a human being on earth on this continent is a contribution to the success of our continent. Africa cannot continually be on the back foot when you are there, when you as an individual are there and have something to contribute. So let's listen to what Sankomoto says here uh, in, in their song Now and Never. And that is uh, Sankomoto with their song Now or Never. Well, just going back to what Ndakwane Ngadane has been saying in, the, in, in, in this tribute, uh, well-written tribute, I actually like uh, the way it is so balanced and the way it's been written. Um, there is a focus on the endurance element. You know, Kaunda will be remembered for many things, including overhauling Zambia's education system by providing free books and charging parents minimal token school fees, as well as mobilizing citizens to contribute towards the construction of the country's first university. I think that would be uh, the University of Zambia. But he was criticized for amending the constitution to outlaw all other political parties except his own, leading to a one-party state that some called a legal dictatorship. He was forced to leave the ban in 1990 amid political unrest. KK's son, Kaweche Kaunda, recently reflected on his father's life. One thing I remember is that he believed in what he was doing. I remember being in a press conference when I was very young and he said, I will live to see the day when South Africa is a just society. And obviously what he meant is that 
it will happen in his lifetime. And boy, did it happen. I mean, Kenneth Kaunda lived to see South Africa uh, get its independence in 1994. And now South Africa is, is 27 years into the, its democracy and he's only died then. I mean, he, he could foresee that happening. And it shows that if you truly believe in a vision, you do not relent, you don't back off, you are bound to see the fruits of what you're fighting for. That's the legacy he left on the international front. Liberation leaders and parties, including Oliver Tambo, Zimbabwe's Joshua Ngomo, and Namibia's Swapo, built their guerrilla camps and trained their fighters in Zambia during his tenure. All of us will always remember you as this great African patriot who stood side by side with the people of Southern Africa. Former South African President Thabo Mbeki had that to say. And I mean, when you talk about uh, liberation struggle movements having camped in, 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 in Zambia and having used that as their base to fight their own liberation wars, I personally can attest to that because I remember growing up, my father used to tell us stories of his own time in Zambia. He spent time in Zambia during the liberation struggle. And he says that uh, Lusaka was one of those places where they were warmly welcomed and uh, they were able to strategize from there. So I am, I'm, I'm, I'm not just reading something that is far from me, but I, I have a personal experience in my own family where um, my father was, a, 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 was somebody that was actually uh, welcomed uh, so warmly uh, in Zambia under the leadership of uh, uh, President Kenneth Kawunda. So former Nigerian presidents President Olusegun Obasanjo described Kaunda as an African icon and to the best of my knowledge, the only surviving founding father of Africa at independence. Namibian President H. Genogob said, you are among those extraordinary personalities who told us to get up and fight for our continent. You hosted all of us in your country, Namibia owes a great deal to you, and in particular, in my case, you nurtured me for 14 years. Wow. I mean, when people come out and actually can attest to the fact that Zambia hosted so many Africans during the time of Kenneth Kaunda when he was president. And, you know, we are hearing testimonies coming from all corners of the continent of people who can attest to say, under the leadership of Kenneth Kaunda, they felt at home. Well, I hope we've done justice to that obituary, to that tribute to uh, Kenneth Kaunda KK, as he is popularly known uh, by the Zambians, the much-loved uh, uh, father of Zambia. And we'll round off uh, this uh, tribute uh, by playing a song by Miriam Makeba, Aluta Continua, just to encourage all, South, uh, all Africans to say um, it's not over just because the founding fathers have all gone to rest. The struggle still continues. It's not the end. And uh, this song by Miriam Makeba, but for me, is just a call, a clarion call to everybody to say, even though the the Kenneth Counters of this world have gone to rest, the struggle continues. Let's listen to Miriam Makeba with her song Aluta Continua. <laughs> And, and that is uh, Miriam Makeba with her song Aluta Continua that closes our tribute of uh, the late, great uh, Kenneth Kawunda. You know, one of our loyal listeners, Dr. Kumede Moyo, just sent me a beautiful picture here of President Kenneth Kawunda on the keyboards together with Miriam Makeba, who was on the vocals. Wow. Beautiful, beautiful. I chose the musician in him there. But now we are moving on ahead, 10 minutes to 3 in 10 minutes' time. It's the end of Christ around the world, and I'm sure you had a good time like I did. But um, before we go, you know, we always, always want to take uh, this opportunity to allow anyone that's been listening from the time I joined you at uh, 12 midday to now, if in our conversations uh, along the way uh, you felt that, you know, your relationship with God, your relationship with Christ is not where it should be, and maybe you've never had the opportunity to actually say to God or to Jesus that I'm taking you as my Lord and Savior. It's one thing, you know, when you're listening to, if you go to church, if you go to listen to, to, to gospel music, if you listen to sermons, but if you've not confessed with your mouth to say Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life, you are still 
not yet born again. And um, we always want to uh, ensure that we allow people uh, the opportunity to actually come to Christ and, uh, and, 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 and offer their lives to Jesus. And, you know, as I'm speaking right now, I'm reminded of Nicodemus's visit uh, by night, you know, uh, to come and try and find out what it takes to be born again because this whole thing of being born again to him uh, sounded a bit uh, um, rather, you know, mysterious for him. So John chapter 3 verse 1 reads, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not in him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So this is what Jesus had to say to explain to Nicodemus about the whole concept of being born again. We are talking about a spiritual rebirth. Now is the time if you are listening and uh, you would like to use this opportunity to give your life to Christ, we are opening up that opportunity for you as I ask you to pray this prayer after me, uh, a, a prayer of salvation. Um, please do pray after me and say uh, as we pray, uh, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sins. Right now I turn from my sins and open the door of my heart and life. I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you.